Hello, one and all, and welcome to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Oh my goodness, what another exciting and fun and just, just brilliant, just an overall brilliant weekend of football. Good Lord, goodness, Lord gracious, this was a great weekend of football. We had some big-time wins. Every single one of Logan's teams got massive-ass dubs. Massive-ass dubs. The teams I supported growing up, the teams I went to college for, all of them, apart from, well, I should probably check this before I get into the day show because I don't know if my boys down at William Penn got the dub this week. They lost by one point to Central Methodist. That's back-to-back. Close losses. They lost by three against Missouri Valley and then now one against Central Methodist. Both games scoring 27 points. They're playing Grandview on the 16th, which should be a very fun game. But apart from William Penn, all of my teams got just not just big dubs, like insanely large dubs. The UNI Panthers got a massive win in their first conference game of the season against Youngstown State. Massive 34-7 victory for the UNI Panthers. The offense looks really, really good. Now, I did fall asleep in the second half, right as the second half started. But you and I, in my defense, you and I was up 31 to nothing at halftime. So I was pretty confident. It was like a quiet confidence that you, that you and I was going to come out with a victory here. Theo Day had two passing touchdowns. Dom Williams had an awesome game yet again running the ball. The running game has been alive and well for the UNI Panthers. Over 230 yards rushing on the day with two rushing touchdowns from Bradrick Shaw and the aforementioned Dom Williams. Just a great overall day. For the UNI Panthers and their football team. Now they got a tougher game next week against North Coast State on the road. So that will be an interesting one going up against the Bison in North Dakota. And then the day before on Friday, the Iowa Hawkeyes had an absolutely insane game against the Maryland Terrapins. Now this was a game that I think a lot of people out there can agree, even Iowa fans can agree that this was, a t- this was going to be at least on paper a tough game. Maryland's passing attack was one of the best, if not the best, in college football going into this game. Tua Lee, attack of Iola, has looked really good up until this game. He had 10 touchdowns, one interception, according to Pro Football Focus. Had zero turnover-worthy plays going into this game. Zero, even though he had one interception. So, I don't know where he got the interception, or if that went off someone's hands and it just bounced. Just, I don't know. Just doesn't count for him, I guess. It just all... Does not count for Tulia Tagovailoa <laughs> as an interception, I guess, according to Pro Football Focus. But going into this game, this was a tough one. I was three and a half point favorites in this game, and I was—I thought I would win. I thought it'd be like by a touchdown. I did not think the final score would be 30, 51, My bad, fifty-one to fourteen. They scored thirty-one points in the second quarter alone. The score at halftime was thirty-four to seven. The final score. Of you and I versus Youngstown State. Youngstown State's final score 34-7. Iowa, Maryland at halftime 34-7. 31 points in the second quarter alone. And they just brutalized two league attack of Iola. Five interceptions in this game. Five of them. And there were a few of them, probably two or three of them, that were like, what the hell was he even looking at? I'm very confused on what he was looking at on that throw. But that's just how good Iowa's defense is this year. Iowa's defense is freaking ridiculous this season. And everybody knew going into the season that Iowa's defense was going to be the strong point of their team. I don't think people understood 
how good they were going to be going into the season. Because this is not as good as what I thought. I knew they'd be a top unit. But out of the five games they've played, four teams have benched their starter. And the one game where you thought that would have been nailed on was the only game that didn't happen, and that was against Colorado State. Against Indiana, Iowa State, Kent State, and now Maryland, their teams have benched their starters. Alex Padilla came into the game at the start of the fourth quarter. That's Iowa's backup quarterback. That's how bad this game was. They pulled Petrus at the fourth quarter mark. They didn't need to play their starters anymore past that point. (laughs) It was just a good old-fashioned ass-kicking. Peters played well in the game. Three passing touchdowns, only a 90 completion on the game. Missed a few crossing routes, but it didn't really matter in that. Tyler Goodson, amazing game. 66 yards rushing, 85 yards receiving. Broke defenders' ankles multiple times throughout the game. Not more so than his pass catch that he had later in the game. There was a 67-yard touchdown reception. Just, it... Brute. It was boring. Let's just call it like it is. It was a boring game. The first drive of the game. Or not the first drive. I guess the third drive of the game for Maryland. Maryland go or not third drive of the game in total. Second drive of the game for Maryland. They go down the field and score a touchdown. It's like, okay, this is how this is gonna be a tough game. It's gonna be a very tough game for Iowa. And I don't know what happened. Did that just wake up all the demons inside? Because Iowa got a field goal at the end of their first drive. But did that touchdown just go? Okay, now this game's over. <laughs> this is a, a, and it's not. Uh, also, what made it even more fun to watch, I guess, fun is that Iowa was making these extremely long drives. Now they weren't like, obviously, the interceptions helped a lot, but they weren't like breaking up these massive plays. Apart from the Tyler Goodson thing, like, you look at all their touchdowns in the game. One-yard touchdown run, eight-yard touchdown pass, one-yard touchdown run, two-yard touchdown run, and then the 67-yard touchdown pass, and then the seven-yard pass. Like, all of them, apart from the one, were within 10 yards. They just brutalized Maryland in this game. That's the only way you can really sum it up. And I, I, along with, I'm assuming, a lot of Iowa fans, there are just people in the national audience in general, this is a nationally televised game. Friday night football, and there was more Iowa fans at this game than Maryland fans, at least from what the sound was. Maryland tried to do their back and black thing, or whatever they call it, blackout game. Every single time in recent history, at least in Big Ten play, that they've worn these black uniforms, they've lost. I think they're 0-5 wearing these black uniforms. I think it's time to retire the black uniforms, because Iowa State, I don't think Iowa State's ever lost in the black uniforms, apart from the game against Iowa. But Maryland's never won in black uniforms. So I I would just say, we get rid of those. We get rid of those. And then David Pollock on College Game Day the next morning. For those of you aren't aware, College Game Day is probably the biggest college pregame show in the world. (laughs) That's like saying you're a world champ in football. Like, yeah, I mean, because no one else plays it. But I guess technically no one in the world would beat you, so... I don't think there's a lot of other countries in the world that are doing college football pregame shows. But either way, still the biggest in the world. Can't debate it. <laughs> one of one. But he went on and said, Iowa's defense playing so good because of how bad offenses are playing this year. Which, going into this game, as we talked about before, Maryland's offense was getting talked about as being one of the best in college football. And their pass game 
being one of the best as well. And now it's because, oh, Maryland's offense actually isn't that good. Iowa's defense is not that good either. Maryland's offense just isn't that good. How the tra- how that changed from, let's just say, Friday morning or Friday afternoon to Saturday morning is crazy. This is the fourth quarterback Iowa has forced out. Four out of five. That is insane. <laughs> Four out of five quarterbacks have been benched playing Iowa this year. And the one quarterback that didn't was on the worst team Iowa played, Colorado State, which was, coincidentally, the hardest game Iowa played all year, which is the most Iowa Hawkeyes thing of all time. Oh, you're playing the worst team, one of the worst teams in college football at home? Oh, well, this is obviously going to be a game where Iowa struggles in every facet of the game. They won by 10 points against Colorado State. Colorado State is awful. They beat Colorado State by the same amount of points they beat Iowa State by. And I think Iowa State would throttle Colorado State. <laughs> That's how bad of a game Iowa played. Now, I didn't watch a single second of Iowa-Colorado State, which is probably why they did not play that well. Because I have watched the other games <laughs> in some capacity. I watched all the Iowa-Indiana game, all Iowa-Iowa State, all Iowa-Maryland. I watched very little of Iowa versus Kent State. But I still watched a little bit, and they won that game. Pretty comfortably. <laughs> Won by 23 points. But man, this Iowa-Penn State game this weekend is going to be insane. Penn State coming off a very impressive win against Indiana. Just absolutely brutalized Indiana. Michael Penix Jr. out of the game with a shoulder injury. He just looks off. Michael Penix Jr. is not playing well at all. There was a point in the game where I think he was 1 for 10. This was going into the season the best quarterback in the Big Ten. And now, he's hurt all the time and just playing very, very bad. And Penn State didn't really need to do a lot against Indiana this weekend. They won 24 to nothing, and they didn't really need to do anything. The game was boring. Nothing happened. It was 24 to nothing. It was 14 to nothing at halftime. And then nothing really happened after that. Michael Penix finished out on 10 of 22, 118 yards and an interception with eight yards rushing. It just was not an enjoyable game to watch whatsoever. I mean, Penn State just had their way with them. They, they had over 200 yards rushing. Sean Clifford played well in this game as well. Jahan Dotson, unsurprisingly, had a very nice game because he's one of the best receivers in college football. That game was boring too. Just an absolutely dominant game. And that Iowa-Penn State game, yet again, is going to be ridiculous. And college game day, I'm kind of surprised by this, but in the same breath, not really because of the fact that they've already been to Iowa this year. But I am kind of surprised that they are going to the Red River Showdown in Dallas, going against Oklahoma Oklahoma and Texas. Oklahoma has been one of the more disappointing teams in college football, and Texas has just been Texas. They remember they got ass-pounded by Arkansas a few weeks ago who just got... Uh, we're not going to really talk about that game. Good Lord. We'll get into that when we're pre- re- recapping the bets that we made this weekend. Because I haven't checked how much how good the bets ended up being this weekend. I know they weren't the best. I know we started off 1-0 because I had Iowa covering against Maryland, which they did emphatically. <laughs> but man, I don't know what the rest of them turned out to be. But yeah, Iowa-Penn State's not college game day. It is the big noon kickoff thing for Fox, 
So we'll see how that one works out. I like Fox's pregame show. They got like some of the biggest names in college football history running their thing. Like no offense to Kirk Herbstreet, Lee Corso, Desmond Howard, David Pollock, Reese Davis, but if we're just talking about college football, like Reese Day or uh, Kirk Herbstreet, good college player. Desmond Howard obviously won the Heisman, popularized the Heisman pose. But you look at Brady Quinn, Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner, Bob Stoops. That is a legendary cast of college football players right there and coaches. That is an insane group of collect. That's an insane collective of college people that know a lot about college football that were very, very good at college football. Now, I know they all had differing success at the NFL level, but they were insane college players. I think I heard about 500 times Notre Dame-Cincinnati this weekend that the quarterback playing for Notre Dame idolized Brady Quinn, which is why he wore number 10. I didn't need to know that as much as I did, but I think every time I flipped back to the game, that's what they were talking about. Because I was trying to sit there and watch Alabama and Ole Miss, a game that myself and I think a lot of people out there thought would be a lot more competitive than what was on the field on Saturday. Good freaking Lord. Ole Miss just got absolutely bent over by Alabama. The score was 21-42. to It wasn't even that close. Alabama brutalized them. And Lane Kiffin, my dad and I were talking before the game started, Lane Kiffin dropped the, you better get your popcorn ready, and just hucked the headset. And my dad wasn't there at that time, so I had to go over what happened at that. And I was like, man, if that, that better not come back to bite him in the ass, because that'd be upsetting if it did. And it did. It very much did. And Ole Miss had a damn near perfect first drive of the game. You had the kick go out of bounds. You had a great drive. You converted on two fourth downs. And then you get all the way down to like the nine yard line or something. And then you don't, you go for it again on fourth down, don't get it. Okay, it's fine. But then Alabama marches right down the field. And at that point, you went two for three on fourth down conversion. Quit going for it in your own territory against Alabama. That stuff works against Louisville and Tulane. That stuff does not work against the number one ranked team in the country in Alabama. This ain't Louisville. <laughs> you can't go for it on your own 30-yard line, on your own 47-yard line losing, and then go, wow, I can't believe that. And then Lane Kiffin at halftime said, basically, we have to do better on converting fourth down. No, you have to stop going forward on fourth down. You have to stop doing that. <laughs> that is what's killing you in this game. You were on 28 to nothing at halftime, and it wasn't even that close. Matt Corral got beat up in this game. Matt Corral put together a nice little performance in this game. He didn't have a bad statistical game, had a touchdown run in the game, 213 yards passing, a touchdown, had a fumble, in the game, too. He didn't play necessarily that bad. He just got... Ole Miss O-line did absolutely nothing in the game. Their first drive was the best drive they had that entire game. The rest of it went downhill. I don't know what would have happened if they did end up scoring on that first drive of the game. I don't think it would have been much different. If you want to look at it in a pessimistic way, they would have lost 28-42. to <laughs> So maybe that's the only thing that changed here. But maybe it was a momentum shifter there. But yeah, Alabama, Bryce Young looked really good. Uh, Brian Robinson balled out, had four touchdowns over 170 yards rushing in the game. Yeah, th this game was never close. That's pretty much it. Ole Miss kept shooting themselves in the foot because they kept trying to go for it on fourth down with these dumbass fourth down calls. I, I don't know. And I was going to do some Heisman stuff here, but I think we've gotten to the point right now where it's between only Bryce Young and Matt Corral. 
I don't think there's really anybody else that's in the conversation or at least anywhere close to the conversation. So I think just making a list of eight every single week is kind of tedious at this point because of the fact I don't think anybody else is going to pass Bryce Young the rest of the year. Unless he gets hurt, Matt Corral is the only one that's competing with him. And if you look at the head-to-head result, Bryce Young outplayed Matt Corral. But Matt Corral did not have the benefit of an off-the-line just being there. <laughs> he might as well just be throwing a bunch of lookout blocks the entire game because that's all Ole Miss did. They had no sense of a running game. They're like for the top 10 in the nation in rushing offense. They had 78 yards rushing in the game. Alabama had 210. This game was supposed to be awesome, and it was not. And then the SEC game earlier in the day. I told myself I wouldn't talk about this because I hated every second watching it. Arkansas, Georgia. JT Daniels, right before the game starts, uh, is announced that he's not starting the game. And then when they're talking about JT Daniels, they're going, J- Stetson Bennett is faster, more athletic, and is a stronger arm. So, like, so what the hell are we talking about with JT Daniels being this great quarterback? Because you literally just said the dude that sits behind him is better arm and is more athletic. Other than win, what does JT Daniels do that makes him so special? Can someone please explain this to me? Now he just keeps getting hurt all the time, which is what we knew going into the season, but he's missed two games. Relatively easy games for Georgia, and Stetson Bennett did not have to do anything in this game for Georgia. But man, what does JT Daniels do that makes him a top quarterback prospect? We They literally said on the broadcast, Stetson Bennett is more athletic and has a better arm. Is, J, is JT Daniels just known for Georgia being undefeated with him as a starter? Because their defense is ridiculous. We knew this going into the season as well. We knew they had some insane playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. We knew this. But why does JT Daniels get as much hype as he does? I, I didn't understand it at the start of the season, and I understand it even less now. What does he do? That makes him so spectacular to be drafted first overall. What does he do? Because I saw that with Jason McIntyre saying he should go first overall. But then again, like we've talked about, I think a hundred times in the show, do not listen to what Jason McIntyre says. Jason McIntyre is not very good at his job. (laughs) He was the same guy that brought Purdy going seventh overall to the Tennessee Titans a few years ago. So I don't really care what Jason McIntyre has to say. But it's confusing because he's got such a big platform. And saying JT Daniels should go number one overall confuses the hell out of me because people will listen to that. Why does he go number one overall in any draft ever? I did the same thing with Keaton Slovis. I like Keaton Slovis a lot. But that dude ain't even in the top 15 anymore. And going into the season, I saw him getting drafted first overall. I had him sixth in my preseason rankings. What did he? What does he do better than the quarterbacks that we had ranked above him? Which at the time, which it's still the same quarterbacks, but uh, Spencer Rattler, Matt, or, uh, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, Malik Willis, Desmond, or Carson Carson Strong. Those were the quarterbacks that were above him preseason. Matt Corral is easily above him now. Dorian Thompson Robinson is above him, which we'll talk about Dorian Thompson Robinson in a little bit in UCLA getting absolutely shit stomped by Arizona State last night, but yeah, Georgia brutalized Arkansas. This is one of the worst football games I've ever watched. (laughs) It was between two top 10 teams. 
I don't think I've ever seen so many backwards plays in my entire life. And they weren't, like, forced backwards. But Arkansas was just throwing it backwards for no apparent reason. The first two plays of the game for Arkansas were false starts. <laughs> That's the sign of that game was going to be bad. The first two plays of the game were false starts. And it didn't get much better than that. Because Arkansas, at that point, was probably like, oh, let's switch up the game plan. We had a very effective offensive game plan going into this game. Now we're just going to throw it backwards the entire time. And then K.J. Jefferson, who's a big dude, who's had a very nice year this year, has like a 15-yard run or something, and just starts flexing. Dude, you're down 21 points. Why are you flexing anything? (laughs) You're not flexing anything on the football field. Georgia just ran the ball down their throats the entire game. They didn't even need the pass. Stetson Bennett threw 11 passes, didn't even throw over 100 yards. They just, they had 56 carries in the game. I didn't even know they had that many carries. I knew they had a shit ton of carries. 56 carries for 273 yards. And I hated every second of it because the main reason was I flip-flopped between these this game, betting-wise. And I ended up going with Arkansas because I was like, Arkansas, they're a good team. They're not... They're not going to get beat by 20 points, are they? Little did I know, that is exactly what was going to happen in this game. And it turns out, Texas A&M's just not very good. And Texas is Texas. Because A&M just, got, just lost to Mississippi State last night at home. So, I don't know. That game sucked. And this game and the Alabama game just proved what everybody already knew going into the season. This is Alabama and Georgia's year. I don't even think we need to play any more college football games because I don't think any team is beating them the rest of the season, apart from the SEC championship game when these two teams will inevitably meet. Because no one's beating Georgia, no one's scoring against Georgia, and no one's beating Alabama. I mean, our, Georgia's got some tough games. Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, those are three really tough games back-to-back-to-back. But do I think Georgia will struggle in those games? Not at all. I don't think they will at all. (laughs) I don't think Alabama will struggle in any of the games they play. I don't even know the rest of their schedule. So they got A&M, Tennessee, LSU, New Mexico State, Arkansas on November 20th, and then at Auburn. Tennessee just put up like 100 points against Missouri this past weekend. So that might be tough, right? And then A&M, as we just talked about, lost to Mississippi State. They got back-to-back games on the road. And Texas A&M's coming off back-to-back losses. So, I'm not really expecting a lot. Preseason, this is going to be a really hyped game. A&M was preseason ranked 5th, I believe. Could be wrong about that. I think they're preseason ranked 5th. And now they're preseason, or right now, season ranked nothing. (laughs) But yeah, Alabama and Georgia are going to run train on college football this year. Good Lord. But yeah, there, there were some fun games this weekend. And some bets were made this weekend. So now we are going to go over Logan's weekend in betting. Yes, very fun stuff. So we do this thing every single week for my friend Tom, and uh, it doesn't really work that often. Games, you know, we've had a bad run. We've had a bad run. I'm going to blame it solely on me being sick. That is going to be it. That's the only thing I'm going to base this on. But uh, Because the first week we were so awesome. First week I did it was so, so fun, and now it sucks ass. I got spider webs everywhere. I should probably do some dusting. 
I live in the basement, so I've got just naturally just got spider webs all around me. Thankfully, I'm not afraid of spiders, so I'm pretty calm with it, but it's just kind of, it looks kind of gross. But moving on, back to what we were talking about. Here are the bets that we have. We did not talk about this on Friday. We are going to talk about the games we had right now. I posted on Instagram and Twitter, so you can go and follow me on Instagram and Twitter. The Logan Blackman Show 1 on Instagram. Go follow my personal account as well, Blackman Logan. Twitter is Logan underscore Blackman. And then you might as well go like the Facebook page, search Logan Blackman Show, go subscribe to the YouTube channel, and go and follow me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, of course, if you are not doing so already. But week five college football bets, we had Iowa-Maryland. Iowa's three-and-a-half point favorites. We had Iowa. Iowa won. Utah State versus BYU, nine points was the spread. Utah State had a rough week the week before, but it was at home. I thought they would play well in this game. They had a rough game against going against Boise State. But you look at the few games before that, they played pretty well. Scored 49 points against Air Force. Now, I, weren't, I wasn't thinking they were going to stop BYU. I just thought they'd be able to score enough points to be within that nine-point realm. And they were not. They were close for a little bit, and then BYU just, you know, woke up. If it was, at, it was, in, if it was in Provo, I would have taken BYU all day. But the fact that it was in Logan, Utah, I was like, maybe Utah State plays good this game and they didn't play bad losing by 14 against a top 10 team or top 15 team is nothing to be ashamed about but I would liked it to be you know a little bit better than a 14 point loss to BYU but we did not have that game we had Pitt Georgia Tech Pitt ran train on Georgia Tech this weekend that was a pretty good game for us <laughs> 52 to 21 was the final it was 20 it was 42 to 14 at halftime Kenny Pickett had four passing touchdowns. I was feeling pretty good about that one going in. And yeah, Pitt annihilated Georgia Tech in that game. Missouri and uh, Tennessee, let's just not talk about that one because I had Missouri. Let's just, that. the less said about that game, the better. Then we got Minnesota and Purdue. Purdue was a two and a half point favorite. We took Purdue, uh, same thing to that one. Let's just not talk about that one as much. Purdue ended up losing the game. Very, very exciting game. That one, Purdue versus Minnesota. Then we have Michigan-Wisconsin. Michigan was, I mean, to me, this is kind of surprising. Michigan was a one-point underdog in this game. We took Michigan. Michigan beat up Wisconsin this weekend because this was a, I I think the main reason they were underdogs in this game was the fact that Wisconsin is the number one rush defense in college football. Michigan had a top five rush offense in college football. But if you watched Notre Dame versus Wisconsin, which I did not, but I saw the score. <laughs> I was not really confident in Wisconsin going into this game. Regardless if it was at home or not, Michigan's pass offense hasn't been insane this year, but they did some trick plays. They ran a little flea flicker later in the, earlier in the game, and they still managed to get 112 rushing yards in the game. They held Blake Corum to 46 yards. Hassan Haskins had 47 yards in this game, which is low for those two guys, but Michigan, 38-17 to was the final there, and that one I was pretty com- comfortable in. I was, again, I was kind of surprised that Michigan was underdog in that game. Georgia, Arkansas, yeah, 18 and a half was the spread there. Yeah, Arkansas got piss pounded by 37, so that didn't help. Uh, Texas TCU, Texas was favored by five. I believe they won by five. I saw they won. I, yeah, they won by five. So there's a, there we go. 32-27 was the final there. Uh, close one, close one there. Wake Forest versus Louisville. Uh, Wake Forest won, but they did not cover they won the game by, I believe, three. Yeah, 37 to 40, 34. Wake Forest was favored by six and a half. That one did not happen. Cincinnati, Notre Dame. In hindsight, I wish I took Cincinnati because I really like Desmond Ritter. If you listen to the show long enough, you know I like Desmond Ritter. You know I like their defense. 
But I just thought Notre Dame at home would be able to not win. I'm not saying I thought Notre Dame would win the game. I thought they'd be able to cover in this game, and they did not. Two and a half, I gave Notre Dame plus two and a half. They did not. Cincinnati played very, very well. Greatest greatest result in their school's history. I think it was their first time they ever beat a top 10 team. So very impressive stuff from Cincinnati, at least on the road, at least on the road. I don't know if that's like bowl games and stuff. I can't remember who they beat in their bowl game last year. I know they won, but yeah. They, they won by more than two. <laughs> um, Louisiana Monroe versus Coast Carolina. Coast Carolina beat the brakes off Louisiana Monroe, so that one was five. 34.5. I get scared with these big spreads, but Coast Carolina is a very good football team. Rutgers was 15-point underdogs to Ohio State. Yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, that game was pretty much over at halftime. The score at halftime, <coughs> jeez, was 45-6. to six. So it was pretty well and truly over by halftime. There was really, there was a very slim chance that our Rutgers came back and lost that game by 15 points or less. So there's a very slim chance in that one. Texas Tech versus West Virginia. West Virginia came back, but they did not cover. <laughs> I was going off the fact that Tyler Show was out of the game. He broke his collarbone. So I was under the influence that West Virginia at home would be a tough game. Texas Tech came in there and beat them by three. They were up 17-0 at halftime. Northwest or Northwestern. West Virginia scored 17 points in the third quarter, but yeah, didn't matter. Texas Tech ended up winning the game. Oklahoma State, Kansas State took Kansas State plus 10, 10 and a half. That was the first time they beat the Kansas State in the past three years, which is ridiculous to think about for the what you would expect, the difference between Oklahoma and Kansas State. That was huge. I could not believe this. Oh, I I can believe it because I, I bet it <laughs> that Oklahoma would not be able to cover over Kansas State. They won by six. Line was 10.5. Kansas State covered. Oregon versus Stanford. Uh, yeah, Stanford won. That's one I kind of regret because Stanford's a really tough team at home, even though a few of the games they lost this year were at home. Every game they've lost was at home to this point. <laughs> but I should have known that they would have been able to at least cover in this game. I don't know. I, that's one I kind of regret. Their two wins before Oregon came on the road. So I think that was my thinking behind that one. Hindsight, yeah, I should have probably been able to pick Stanford there. Ole Miss, minus 14.5 versus Alabama. Now, hey, if they did score on that first drive, and us pessimists were looking at it like, oh, you would have lost just 28-42, that would have covered. So I would have been A-okay with that one. Boise State versus Nevada. Uh, Boise State, I had them covering 6.5. Nevada won. Which I'm not terribly surprised about. I just thought Boise State at home would be able to win by a touchdown. Nevada played well. Nevada played really well in this game. Uh, Carson Strong only had one passing touchdown in the game, which is kind of low for Carson Strong's. But would you be surprised if it was to Cole Turner? No, you shouldn't be because he's one of the best tight ends in college football. So, yeah, he got the touchdown in the game. Carson Strong, 263 yards passing. Hank Bachmeyer had four touchdowns passing in the game as well, but he also had negative 68 rushing yards, which is not <laughs> ideal for Boise State to get dubs there. But, yeah, Boise State, did, uh, long story short, they did not cover. Uh, Louisiana Tech plus 19.5 versus NC State. I think this is one of the easier bets of the weekend. I don't think there were a lot of people that picked NC State to cover. This was pretty much guaranteed to happen but yeah they won by seven nc state did 19 and a half was a ridiculous number so i'm not surprised by any means that louisiana state covered kentucky hosting florida kentucky was eight and a half point underdogs we took kentucky kentucky won very impressive win there now kentucky should have beaten florida two years ago at home so we shouldn't even have had this, this is the first time they won in x amount of years because they should have beat them 
two freaking years ago. And Kyle Trask's first game as court Florida's quarterback, Felipe Franks got hurt in that game, and then they Kentucky allowed them to come back into the game and yeah, no, screw everything up. Then we got Baylor versus Oklahoma State. Okie State was a three and a half point favorite in this game. Oklahoma State won by ten. So that one worked there as well. Mississippi State, Texas AM. Like we talked about, Mississippi State beat AM. So AM, by that contrast, did not cover the game. <laughs> and I had AM covering seven in that one. Liberty at UAB. This was one of the first games I wrote down. I had Liberty covering, obviously. I mean, I'm not. I was confused why Liberty was underdogs. I mean, one point, one and a half points, whatever it was. That's pretty much a give them game, but man, Liberty is a good football team. I get they lost to Syracuse, but they're not worse than UAB. And Malik Willis showed out again, which again, I'm not surprised about. He scored the first touchdown in their stadium, UAB's new stadium. So yeah, I was kind of surprised by that. I think that was like the first or second game I crossed off is like, yeah, Liberty's winning this game. I'm not, I don't think UAB is beating Liberty. And Liberty ended up beating them 36 to 12. It was three to three at halftime and Liberty exploded in the second half. They scored 21 points in the third quarter. Malik Willis made some great throws. He was running the ball over the place at 144 yards rushing, 287 yards passing, three total touchdowns. Yeah. Malik Willis is the best quarterback in this draft class. I don't think it's pretty. I don't think it's very close at this point anymore. I I just don't think it's close. And then we had Boston College Clemson. Again, I think this was another fairly easy one to predict. Clemson's offense is pretty much non-existent. I think that's saying it lightly. Boston College is coming off a very nice win against Missouri. So yeah, 15 and a half points. If this was Clemson last year, then sure, I might be able to go, yeah, I can see where you're coming from from this. But this is a team that scored 14 points against Georgia Tech. This is the same team that Pittsburgh just (laughs) scored, what was it, 42 points at halftime? Lost to NC State last week? Like, I I don't know if there were anybody that actually bet that game. That was similar to the NC State-Louisiana Tech game where I don't think there were a lot of people that bet on the team that was favoring that one. But the next game, though, Northwestern versus Nebraska. With the way Nebraska's been playing recently, I think there should have been a lot of people that bet on Nebraska this game. We did, and Nebraska won 56-7. That game was 35-7 at halftime, which was fairly easy to predict. Northwestern kind of stinks this year. Nebraska's played better as the season's progressed, so that was another fairly easy one. Next one, Michigan State versus Western Kentucky. 10.5 was the line. Michigan State ended up winning 48-31. It was 42 to 16 at halftime, but it was close for certain portions of this game, but Michigan State's rushing attack, Kenneth Walker the third, three rushing touchdowns in the game, proved enough to win this game. I was not that confident going into this game because it was a battle of a rush offense versus an air raid offense. So this is kind of those games where you look at it and go, okay, this might be a high-scoring game, but I think Western Kentucky will be able to keep up with Michigan State, and it turns out they did not. And Michigan, they held Michigan State to only not six points in the second half, but that wasn't enough in the end. Michigan State did end up covering that game. Then we had Indiana at Penn State. As we talked about earlier, 24-0. Penn State was favored by 12. Penn State covered. We had that one. Washington-Oregon State, 2.5 was the line for Washington State versus Oregon. Or, uh, Washington versus Oregon. Oregon won by 3. Oregon State won by 3. 27-24 was the final there. Then we had Auburn-LSU. Auburn was 3.5-point underdogs. In this game, I don't. What was the, they had some ridiculous stat. They haven't won in Death Valley since like the '80s or something like that. I don't. I could be completely wrong about that. That might be the Kentucky Florida thing. But either way, Auburn ended up winning the game. They had some very. They, they had things go their way. 
into the game. Let's just go like that. They had some very impressive plays from their offense, and they ended up winning the game. Coming back in the game and winning. Arizona State versus a, uh, UCLA. Uh, yeah, this game got out of hand fairly easily in the second half. It was... <laughs> <laughs> what was it? It was 24-23 halftime. Arizona State scored 18 points in the second half. UCLA is zero. Jane Daniels got his first touchdown passes of the season, which is very big for him. Give him a round of applause to Jane Daniels. That was basically the reason why I had UCLA covering in this game. What was the line again? Three and a half? Yeah. Jane Daniels hadn't thrown a passing touchdown all year. Or had, uh, a, he hadn't thrown a passing touchdown. He only thrown two passing touchdowns all year. And they both came against UNLV. I think that's right. If not against UNLV. They, they all came in one game. Let's just say it like that. He scored either two passing touchdowns in one game out of the three they played. So, or the four they played up until this point. So I wasn't really expecting a lot from the passing attack in regards to scoring touchdowns. I thought they were going to win on the ground. They did, but the passing game came through. Jane Daniels threw two passing touchdowns. Didn't turn the ball over, so that's also big there. Dorian Thompson-Robinson had a very nice game as well. Almost at 100 yards rushing in the game, but second half, Arizona State just flipped on another gear and just brutalized UCLA in the second half. So that one, we were on a nice little streak there, but UCLA did not end up covering that game. They they lost. <laughs> and then finally, we had Fresno State against Hawaii. Fresno State was a 10.5 point favorite, and the glare of the sun is bright, and Hawaii ended up winning, so they did not cover. 10.5 was a line there. They did not end up covering. So out of these games, comparatively, to the last few weeks, I would say this one's better, but it's not saying it's great. Like you look at all these games, there are some good ones in here. We had a nice little run going towards the end. Like you look at the Louisiana Tech game to NC State, we had probably one, two, three games out of the rest of those games that did not work. That's a very impressive stretch right there. So we got Iowa right, we got Pitt right, we got Michigan right, we got Texas right, we got. Coast Carolina right, we've got Kansas State to Oklahoma right, we got Louisiana Tech, NC State, Kentucky, Florida, Okie State, Baylor, Liberty, UAB, Boston College, Clemson, Northwestern, Nebraska, Western Kentucky, Michigan State, Penn State, Indiana, Washington, Oregon State, Auburn, LSU. So you got 16 games, right? I'll take that. You know what? Comparatively to last two weeks, I will take 16 games, right? That's just me trying to go off the top. I could be wrong in that, but you know what? That's fine. That's fine. It's not great, but it's a confidence booster. There are games I would like to take back, like the... What games would I really like to take? I mean, uh, hindsight, Missouri, Penn, Tennessee would be a big one. <laughs> I mean, Tennessee won, what was it, 62-10 to 10 or something crazy like that? But... I mean, I was fairly confident in that one. Tennessee's offense hadn't looked great, and then they just exploded in this game against Missouri. Uh, Arkansas-Georgia, that's a game I wasn't confident in. Louisville-Wake Forest was a game I was not confident in either. Louisville ended up where Wake Forest won but didn't cover. Cincinnati-Notre Dame's one that I wish I could take back because of the fact I know I like Desmond Ritter. I know I like Cincinnati. I know they're a good team. Notre Dame's quarterback situation was kind of a mess going into this game. So I probably should have done better at realizing that and going, yeah, I'm going to take Cincinnati there. Um, You know, Ohio State, Rutgers, sure, but I didn't think Ohio State would explode like that against Rutgers the way they did. Stanford, Oregon, yeah, I should have seen that one coming. At least Stanford covering in the game. Ole Miss, Alabama, I'm not going to take that one back because I thought that would be a lot better game than what it was. Boise State, Nevada, yeah, 
Carson Strong, they have great weapons on Nevada, so I should have seen this one coming. Even though only one of the weapons out of the big three, Strong, Dubs, and Cole Turner, did anything in the game. Cole Turner was the only one that caught a passing touchdown, and Carson Strong only threw one passing touchdown. I still should have gone, yeah, I'm going to take Nevada in that one. Any other ones, big ones? Uh, most of them I'm pretty set on. So what, four games I would like to take back that I was... That games I would have flipped back and forth. There are games that I wouldn't have flipped or like I was decently confident in happening. Like BYU-Utah State. I thought Utah State would play well because they were at home. If there was, it was, Again, if there was in Provo-Utah, I would have gone, yes, BYU. But with it being on the road, I thought Utah State would be able to cover. I mean, again, I don't think they would have won. I think they would cover in the game. Other games, Arkansas-Georgia, that was a BS game. Ole Miss, Alabama, I wish that was just a better game. If Ole Miss scored a touchdown that first drive, we have a 28 to 14 game, and then they cover, and then we look like geniuses. <laughs> but even at that point, I would have gone, wow, I thought this game would be a lot better than what it was. Either way, losing by 14 in a game where your coach literally goes at the start of the game, get your popcorn ready, and you put on a performance like that, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not great. It's not great. But yeah, there's. It's not a bad weekend, okay? Let's just put it like that. It was not terrible. I've had worse ones, okay? So I'll take that as a somewhat positive weekend. Again, there's some games I wish I could have back, but everybody wishes they had some games back. But yeah, and then I saw this today. So we're going to move on to the NFL in a little bit, but college football talk still. Rattler's on the same tier of disappointing as Adrian Martinez and Khalil Tate. Now, I saw this this morning, and I'm like 50-50 on this. This is from tailgate.athletes or athletics on Instagram. So if you want to go see their posts on Instagram. And it's college football stars, CFB stars post this on it. It looks like an Instagram comment. There's two sides to this, I think. Because Khalil Tate, I never really understood the ton of hype that Khalil Tate got. He was a very mobile quarterback, but I... I remember he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated for some weird reason. And it, it just did not, post-hype, it went just straight down a hill. And then Adrian Martinez, we joked about it week one, was like a dark horse Heisman candidate every single year in Nebraska. And he's been, is he only a junior? I feel like he's been in Nebraska for like 85 years or something crazy. But the difference between these two and Rattler, I don't think Rattler's been bad. I think compared to the, the level that people thought he was going to be this season, he's been not great. But I don't think he's been to the point of he's been a bad quarterback. Khalil Tate and Adrian Martinez at points were bad. Adrian Martinez is starting to get better as the season's gone on, but the past two years, he's been bad. Khalil Tate was good for like half a year, and then it's been bad the rest of it. He's not at Arizona anymore, but... I think the level of hype going into the season for Rattler where he was the number one Heisman candidate, he was the number one quarterback of the draft, by 99% of people's estimation, he was number one in both. So maybe that's where it's coming from, but I think he's still in the conversation for both. I don't think he's number one anymore, but there were points where Khalil Tate and Adrian Martinez just dropped off the face of the earth. Keaton Slovis has done that, where he had a lot of hype going into the season, or last year mainly, and it just kind of kept going down. That's the level of disappointing where he's not even talked about in the Heisman or the top quarterbacks in the draft. Rattler's still going to get talked about up there. That's why I don't put it... I put him on different tiers. I put Khalil Tate on the very bottom because 
he was freaking on the cover of Sports Illustrated. What did the cover say? It said some like ridiculous. I gotta look this up because I don't I don't remember what it said, but it said a Cleo Mac. Where's the Cleo Tate thing? Where's that? Oh, I it I for some reason typed in Cleo Mac. That's probably why it didn't pop up with anything. Here we go. Big and bad. The nation's best QB. Hand him the Heisman. This is from... Does it have a date on it? August 13th, 2018. Big and bad. Arizona's Khalil Tate. He runs like a running back and hits like a linebacker. He's the nation's best quarterback. Hand him the Heisman from Ross Dellinger. Now, I don't know... I was never of the mindset that he is the best quarterback in college football. I was really confused when this was all going on. We talked about him in the first year of the Logan Blackman show, or one of the first years, because he had some good stats running the ball. His completion percentage was never that good. But, man, I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't remember him ever being the nation's best quarterback. I don't ever remember that being a case. I remember him being talked about. I don't remember him ever being the best quarterback in college football. That's where Spencer Rattler is different. Spencer Rattler is only in this conversation because of the levels of hype going into the season. His level of play is nowhere near those two guys in regards to how bad they've been. But man, that's a little mean. <laughs> I get he was booed against West Virginia and they want Caleb Williams to come in. And I get Spencer Rattler's not the most likable character in college football, but he's not that bad. He's not that bad. He's bad. He hasn't been good this year. But is he still top five quarterback in next year's draft? Most people will have him up there. I still have him up there. I don't have my number one, but he's still up there. Adrian Martinez and Cleo Tate were off draft boards and Heisman talk like that. Apart from people in Iowa who meme say, memingly say, Adrian Martinez is dark horse Heisman. <laughs> That's it. That's the only reason here. But man, Rattler, I guess I didn't really see what happened this weekend. I didn't see... I kind of... I, averted my attention away from Oklahoma versus Kansas State because I was kind of nervous about that game. Even though Oklahoma's had bad success against Oklahoma or against Kansas State in the past, I still was kind of nervous. Going into Saturdays, I view it a lot differently now, now that I'm actually doing some betting here. So I get a lot more nervous than what I... If I wasn't doing this, I would have watched that game. But I didn't because I was <laughs> nervous going into it because I had... There was stuff on it for me this time. But Rattler... I mean, 22-25, 243, two touchdowns, one pick, 24 yards rushing. Had a fumble in the game, but man, I... Is he Adrian Martinez, Clil Tate bad? No. <laughs> His hype was greater. Well, actually, I don't remember seeing Spencer Rattler on the cover of Sports Illustrated, but I haven't seen a Sports Illustrated cover in forever, so I could be wrong about that, but yeah, he's not that bad. Clil Tate and Adrian Martinez were bad. Adrian Martinez has been bad until this year. <laughs> and it's just been later parts of this season. But, man. We'll have whole quarterback rankings on Wednesday. So, you'll hear my opinions about Spencer Rattler, Matt Corral, Malik Willis. Spoiler alert, Malik Willis is still the number one quarterback in the draft class. And then another quarterback that we kind of talked about on Friday was Sam Howell. Because we talked about what's going on with Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler. Howell had a better game against Duke. I mean, as expected, but nothing like... Amazing, amazing. I mean, 321 yards, three touchdowns. Also had 29 yards rushing. That's very nice for Sam Howell. But it's against Duke. You should have those games. Should have had that game against <laughs> Georgia Tech. Like Kenny Pickett had a great game against Georgia Tech. 
Did Georgia Tech just get tired of being competitive because they played the best against Clemson in North Carolina and then just laid an egg against Pittsburgh? But, man. And I feel like today, this show anyways, I haven't felt... <coughs> I've, I got a little bit of still stuck in me right now. I'm recording a show because I'm not going to be able to record a show next Sunday, so we'll, I'm getting one in now so I can get one in Wednesday and Friday too so we can have a full week, have Sunday off because I'll be down in Kansas City for the Bills-Chiefs game. And speaking of the Bills-Chiefs, uh, the Bills got another, I mean, shouldn't have been surprising, <laughs> massive dub against the Texans today. 40 to nothing was the final. I mean, there's not really a lot to discuss here. <laughs> the Bills should have won by more, if we're being honest. They got... They settled for three field goals in the red zone, so that didn't really help anything. They're up 16-0 at halftime. They scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they they just beat the shit out of Texans. That's pretty much it. They they have an insane run of games. Or not games. It's past three games. I guess it's not that insane. But they've outscored their opponents like 111-21 to in their past three games. And all of those 21 points games against Washington – like they beat Miami 35 nothing. They beat Washington 43 21 and they just beat Houston 40 to 40 to 0. And now they're going into Sunday against the Chiefs who are off a big win against the Eagles. I say big win. It, I mean they should be expecting to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. People are freaking out after the Falcons game. Like the Falcons don't have one of the worst defenses in the NFL and the Chiefs do as well, but the Chiefs have you know Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, all those guys. So, yeah, they, they bounced back. They did not lose three in a row. They lost two in a row, bounced back, beat the Eagles pretty unsurprisingly. But the Bills, Chiefs, Sunday Night Football, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. Uh, the Bills' defense is playing insane right now. One of the best defenses in the NFL. Uh, how many interceptions do they have today? Davis Mills threw four interceptions today. <coughs> and up until this point, I mean, he only played one game. But it's kind of the level of quarterback play we've had from the rookies this year. He played the best. He played the best this year out of the rookie quarterback. I mean, granted, again, it was only one game. But, yeah, he did not play well against Houston. He fumbled in the game, recovered his own fumble on the first drive of the game, and threw four interceptions. Josh Allen threw an interception on the very first play of the game for the Bills. Thankfully, the Bills' defense stepped up, and the Texans went for it on fourth down in their own ter- or, uh, in the red zone and missed it. But yeah, the Bills' rushing attack looks good, which is something that Bills fans haven't said in like three years, four years, pre-Josh Allen, because LaShawn McCoy and Josh Allen's rookie year was pretty much rendered helpless because of the Bills' terrible off the line. Now, Shady McCoy, congratulations on retiring. You're one of the best Bills players of the 21st century. Love LaShawn McCoy. I can't believe they fleeced the Eagles by giving up Kiko Alonso for LaShawn McCoy, one of the best Bills players of the 21st century and the best running back the Bills had in the 21st century. I know the arguments for Travis Henry and Wills Begay, he'll be loud, and Fred Jackson, if we're talking about best career, you'd probably say Marshawn Lynch, but uh, tenure in the Bills, I would put Shady McCoy at one, probably Fred Jackson two, Travis Henry three. That's what I would do, but that's just my opinion. Either way, the Bills rushing attack looked really good today. They have looked good in the past few weeks. Devin Singletary, Zach Moss looking, doing really well, rotating off each other. Josh Allen had a good game running the ball. After the interception, played well after that. It was a freaking downpour early in the game. And the Bills, yeah. I The game against the Steelers will get weirder and weirder as the game as the season goes on. I don't know how that game was allowed to happen. Just ridiculous loss. I don't know how the hell that happened. <laughs> Look at how different the Bills have looked 
this week, the past three weeks versus week one. And they didn't even look particularly good against the Dolphins when they won 35 nothing. And they didn't look, there were things that they could have done better in this game against Houston. They should have won like 63 to nothing today. This should have been like Alabama versus any FCS school ever today. <laughs> or Oklahoma versus any FCS school. Like we, this should have been an easy, I mean it was an easy game. The Texans never threatened anything apart from the interception they had. Yeah, the Bills are they're fine. <laughs> the Bills are the Bills are pretty good. Other games that we got going on right now, we got the Cardinals and Rams. Cardinals are up 24 to 13. Seahawks and 49ers are tied at 7. Ravens are up 17-7 over the Broncos. Packers are up 17 to 10 over the Steelers. And then early games, we had some very dramatic games earlier today. We had Washington football team beating the Falcons 34 to 30. We had the Bears winning beating the Lions 24 to 14 with Justin Fields starting at quarterback. The Lions are now 0-4. We had the Panthers and Cowboys. Panthers just, you know, letting the Cowboys do whatever the hell they wanted in the third quarter and tried to come back, but it was too late. Lost by eight points. Or, yeah, 28-36. <laughs> then we had the Colts beating the Dolphins 27-17. Browns beating the Vikings 14-7. Giants beating the Saints for the first time in a very long time in the Superdome 27-21. That game went a lot differently than what people were expecting going into that game. The Chiefs, as we said, beat the Eagles. And the Jets, I know they're a division rival, but I do not like the Titans. So <laughs> I was, my dad and I were watching this game because the Bills game, they put Trubisky in and Trubisky scored a touchdown. And I still believe at this point in time, now this is subject to change because I like Zach Wilson, I like Mac Jones. Trubisky's the second best quarterback in this division right now. It sounds funny to say it, but it's true. I think Zach Wilson had an insane game today. Their O-line still sucks, but he showed off some of the arm talent that we talked about going into the draft and why the Jets took him. He has got a crap ton of talent in there. And I talked about it in the preseason. I talked about it during the draft. And I'm talking about it during the season, even though he has played bad against teams like the Patriots where he threw four or five interceptions. He's going to throw interceptions because he's going to keep four. He's trying to make things happen, and he can't because his O-line sucks ass. Now, he has a nice relationship going with Corey Davis. Keelan Cole had a very nice game today. Yeah. He had a very... Zach Wilson played well today. This is the best game, I think. Now, I could be wrong because I think Trevor, Lor Trevor Lawrence played well against the Cincinnati Bengals. But I think that's the best game from rookie quarterback this year. I think Zach Wilson against the Titans was the best game a rookie quarterback's had this year. And I think Trevor Lawrence played well against the Bengals. Bengals came back. <coughs> Jeez. Bengals came back against the Jaguars, came back and won the game. They're 3-1, and one, which, looking at the schedule, this is pretty... Uh, no, I had them 1-3 going into this point. I thought the Steelers would be a little bit... I mean, I didn't think the Steelers would be great. I had them going 9-8 and eight or 8-9 eight this year. But... I thought that game, I I did have the Bengals beating the Steelers, but I had them beating them in later parts of the season in Cincinnati because they always get at least one game over the Steelers a year. That's just what it feels like. The Bengals and Steelers hate each other, and the Bengals always seem to get one, even though they're never expected to beat the Steelers. I didn't think it'd come this early in the season. I thought it'd be coming later. I didn't think they'd beat the Vikings. I thought they'd lose to the Bears. I thought they'd beat the Jags. So at this point, I thought they'd be one and three, but they're playing well. Their defense is playing really nice up until this point. Their run defense has been really good. The The start of the game against Jacksonville, their run defense kind of struggled. James Robinson played well in the game, but then they kind of figured things out as the game went on, and the Bengals woke up, and Joe Burrow just became Joe Burrow. 
And yeah, I think there's about five quarterbacks in this league that nobody hates. And I think Joe Burrow is number one on that list that nobody hates Joe Burrow. I think he has more fans probably on teams of fans that are fans of teams that are not the Bengals than anybody else in the league. I don't think there's a single person. I don't even think Ravens, Steelers, or Browns fans hate Joe Burrow. Because Joe Burrow, in that season against with LSU, that was one of the most fun teams you'll ever watch. Ever. That is the best season any quarterback has ever had in college football history. That season. He broke almost every passing record. He won the Heisman Trophy by the widest margin of victory ever. That is the most one-sided Heisman Trophy ceremony ever. If there has ever been a unanimous Heisman Trophy winner, it should have been that one. Because <laughs> Jalen Hurts, Chase Young, Justin Fields should not have even sniffed that trophy. Joe Burrow beat Oklahoma at the end of the first quarter in the college football playoff. Before Arkansas and Georgia, actually, I guess, yeah, Georgia-Arkansas was the biggest halftime point difference of any game between two top 10 teams since that Oklahoma versus LSU game in the college football playoff semifinals. Joe Burrow is ridiculous. And I love how confident he is. And I love how smooth he is with pretty much everything. It is impossible not to like Joe Burrow. And... I can't wait for Joe Brady to get him and him and Joe Brady back together in Cincinnati because I like Zach Taylor. I'd be kind of surprised if he made it past this year. If the Bengals, so they're one and they're three and one. They're looking good. But I just feel like Joe Brady's gonna be the Cincinnati Bengals head coach next year. I think it's gonna be a situation of Rick Renteria and Joe Madden for the Cubs, where Rick Renteria did nothing to lose his job per se, but Joe Madden's available. And Zach Taylor, he's not really going to do anything to lose his job, but, you know, the guy that put together one of the greatest offenses in college football history is going to want to be a head coach, and you have two of his players on your team, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, who Jamar Chase, at this point, is walking away with the Rookie of the Year right now. I said preseason that he was going to be the one that challenges the quarterbacks. At least I believe I said that. I could be wrong. I believe I said that. But I gave it to Zach Wilson and then Mac Jones and then Trevor Lawrence. I mentioned Jamar Chase in there. But you needed Jamar Chase to play well with the other quarterbacks being bad because unless the quarterbacks are playing bad, the rookie of the year will always go to a quarterback. Unless there's like a historic season for a wide receiver or running back. But even last year, we had a historic season for a wide receiver, but the quarterback had an even more historic season in Justin Herbert who broke almost every significant passing record out of rookie quarterbacks in NFL history. Oh, man. But yeah. I don't really have much more to talk about. It was just a recap of the weekend. I, the Heisman thing's pretty much done. I don't know what else to talk about with the Heisman Trophy because it's a two-horse race, and I'm not going to just keep rotating a list of eight people when it, the top two is never going to change. <laughs> I think, like with the draft, I'm more inclined to talk about the draft and rankings in that regard than I will in the Heisman rankings. Because if you look at the Heisman, it's a quarterback trophy. We're just talking about quarterbacks in the NFL, or the NFL draft. But who's really challenging Corral and Bryce Young at this point? Who? Kenneth Walker? No. I mean, he's going to be mentioned. Who else is even going to be taught? Who's even going to go to the ceremony? I bet Rattler will go. I, I refuse to believe Rattler's going to keep playing like this the entire season. That's just wishful thinking on my part. But I believe it'll probably be Bryce Young, Corral. It's going to be another quarterback because there's nothing really else going on in college football right now. Who's the other quarterback? 
Someone from Georgia on defense? Jordan Davis? I, I don't know. <laughs> Who's going to be the other player? Desmond Ritter? I could see him going to the Heisman ceremony if Cincinnati keeps winning. CJ Stroud, I know people don't really like him. I mean, hell, that Twitter account, we haven't talked about this, that Twitter account that was just dedicated to bashing, <laughs> bashing uh, CJ Stroud has been suspended. I, ha I haven't seen anything from this dude in a while. So I'm assuming he got suspended or got his account just deleted because <laughs> that, that much hate towards a college kid I've never seen before. But man. It was up there. And then for the college, like, if you just look at rankings right now, we had a lot of top 10 teams lose, but we also had two top 10 teams play each other, so you were going to have a top team top 10 team lose. But we have a new top four with Oregon losing. We have Alabama, Georgia, unsurprisingly, and then Iowa jumping Penn State. I talked to my dad about this, and with Iowa just absolutely blitzing Maryland on, on Friday and Penn State having a nice game. I mean, Penn State's game is... Indiana was easy. There was nothing hard about that one. <laughs> 24 nothing. They could have won 7 nothing, and it would have been easily that dominant. <laughs> like, but Indiana was no contest in that game. Uh, Cincinnati jumped to number 5. We have OU at 6. Ohio State 7. Oregon dropped to 8. Michigan rose to 9. BYU 10. Michigan State 11. Oklahoma State, after <laughs> almost losing Missouri State, who has played pretty well, actually, this season, uh, they're up to 12. Arkansas dropped to 13. Missouri, or Notre Dame dropped to 14. Coastal Carolina dropped to 15. Kentucky moved all the way up to 16. Ole Miss dropped to 17. Auburn, 18. Wake Forest, 19. Florida dropped 10 spots to 20. They have Texas, Arizona State in the top 25. NC State didn't move, and SMU and San Diego State are also new in the top 25 as well. UCLA went from the, out, from the top 25 to receiving one vote in the top 25. They be pulled. Oh, my goodness. How the mighty have fallen. <laughs> but, yeah, that's all I've got for you on this Monday edition of Logan Blackman Show. I hope you enjoyed the show. If not, I can only apologize. We'll have NFL draft rankings on Wednesday for the quarterbacks, so stay tuned for that. We are going to have some movement this week with, I mean, Malik Wills is still going to be number one, but we had some quarterbacks not play. We had some quarterbacks lose. We're going to have some changing in the top 10, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Make sure you subscribe to The Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so you don't miss another episode. And with that, I will see you all later. Hopefully I'm feeling a lot better by that point. I'm feeling good now, but hopefully you're feeling 100% perfect by that point. But that's it I got for you. That's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed, and I will see you all later. Peace.